Right. Welcome to this week's podcast and IG Live episode of the Make More Keep More show. We're going to get Dominic who's, um, in a moment, although he's recovering from the Rona. So we'll see. We'll see how he's doing. And um, there we go. There's the man himself. What's um, up, sir? Nothing, man. I was just telling him about the show. If you guys are brand new and I never listened to us before, we chat about all things money. I usually chat from my front porch. Dominic chats from his office, depending on things. I guess I'm the one responsible for the bird noises in the background. But really, we talk about everything related to your money, how to make more, keep more, grow it, keep it, spend it, what to spend it on, everything. So um, anyway, Dom, this week we were going to talk about overcoming challenges because the news is um, kind of rough 24-7, right? It's always it is. something <laughs> in there. It is. And it's interesting because uh, I started thinking about it this week when I um, came back from vacation, ready to rock and roll, and then tested positive for COVID and got really sick. So, you know, challenges are abundant, right? Well, <laughs> so. and, your wife got it, and your wife got it and barely got sick at all, right? She got pretty sick for like the first two days, and but then pretty snapped back from it pretty quickly. Um, oh, yeah. They do. And you had it a lot worse, right? Yeah. Well, because I'm a guy and I'm a wimp. That's well, probably part of it. And they do say it affects the obese more than it does the normal stuff. You know, you so. say that. I couldn't remember <laughs> I couldn't remember what your foul comment was because I was so distracted by your rock hard six pack abs. But <laughs> but uh yeah, I, that's uh, apparently what it is. So <laughs> I know. I, I am one to talk, but anyway, so um well, God you're alive, let's get to work here. Yeah, let's do it. When when chatting about you know, you brought up the concept, the, the topic of, you know, how do you overcome obstacles in whatever, business life, personal life, all of it. And I think between us, we've got almost 100 years on this planet, sadly. <laughs> and we've both been divorced. Right? Yep. We both had custody stuff go, go on in our lives. And um, we've had, I mean, we both. Were you in business in 2008? I know I was um, the 2008 meltdown, which was a, I mean, I'm not dismissing anything that's going on right now, but 2008 was legend. I'd never been through anything like it. Sure. Even the melt, even the dot-com meltdown of the early 2000s where the stock market just kind of slowly kept tanking lower and lower and lower to the point where it got 80%. The NASDAQ dropped off uh, 80%. We got a match shout out for the Huskies jersey. Heck yeah. Um, my kid went there. And so um, anyway, we um, 2008 was brutal, but there's a lot of, I mean, there, from what I'm seeing, the real estate market is starting to turn and kind of go the other direction. I'm seeing that um, contract cancellations are skyrocketing. So people are buying houses and all of a sudden like, whoa. One of my clients, Dominic, who is a real estate agent that was in yesterday, I love this woman. She always looks like she is heading out. She comes into my office at 10 o'clock in the morning with her kid. We do some college stuff. And this woman's got a Chanel dress on and high heels. And that's literally anytime she comes to my office, she is dressed to the nines. Um, I love it. It's so old school and I love it. But she was telling me like, hey, part of the problem is with the rise in interest rates, 
buyers that could have afforded a million dollar property at three and a half percent now at five and a quarter five and a half can only afford a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar property sure so that is going to have an impact on the marketplace so uh, for sure go ahead well and, and i was thinking because <clears throat> that this is why this topic is so interesting about overcoming obstacles because we think about the glaring obstacles that are all over the news what you just talked about the the uh, you know real estate market potentially softening, uh, investments softening, people who are into crypto. Obviously, we know those storylines. Uh, <laughs> into crypto, yeah, I mean, well, we have some too. I made the mistake of looking at my crypto once when I was on a call with a client, <laughs> like yeah. last week. This is a terrible like, idea. Oh, no, yeah, uh, there's certain. I have certain <laughs> trading accounts I just don't look at because it's just not any point to it, but. But yeah, do you think about all those things? Those are the storylines that we hear every day that definitely are obstacles and things that can cut over that we need to overcome. But what you mentioned was also some of the other ones that got me thinking this week about this topic. Because, like for instance, I was on a call with somebody, and not all the obstacles are necessarily always bad, though they often are. Uh, at least the results of them could be positive. But the in the in, while you're going through them, it's negative. So I was on a call earlier this week or, or got a message earlier this week for somebody I've helped with a little bit of coaching with. And he's like, dude, I can't get a single person to say yes right now because they're all like, you know what? I need to wait for a little while and just see what's going on before I can move forward, right? So we talked about some practical sales things you can do to help with that. But, but that's a reality. All of a sudden, you're going to get clients who either pause or prospects who just pause. That's one obstacle. Then I had somebody else actually I had a call yesterday with somebody Who's in an obstacle? Because and I've asked you. I'll talk to you about maybe bringing him on the show. He's a brand. He's he's been an entrepreneur many many times. Sort of a serial entrepreneur, if you will. But he's got a new company, and it's actually going so well that it's actually causing problems. Like it's it's things are sales leads all this stuff, and he's like, dude, I don't know how to pay people. I don't know what to do right now. I don't. That's an obstacle, right? Then you mentioned some ones that are really important, uh, and I've seen this. I know some some people on this. Uh, I actually know some people on this uh, that, that I saw are live on. Issues like I talk to business owners who have custody problems. You've gone through one financial issues, like the list doesn't end. And I think that that's such an interesting, it's such an interesting topic and such something that has to do with our ability to navigate those things. Like we could give entrepreneurial tips all day long. But sometimes the ability to weather the storm is what defines whether or not you're going to last for the long term. And that storm can come in any number of shapes and sizes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Warren Buffett has a great co- quote, which is, when the tide goes out, you get to see who's been swimming naked. Right. And um, you're going to have, I mean, look, if you're going to be in the market, markets any of them um and we just had a client take a a massive write down on some crypto that they were staking so do you know do you know how crypto staking works me no so crypto staking is basically and if i screw this up guys throw it in the comments um but basically you put your money into a crypto account in stablecoin right which isn't tied to anything and then it gets lent to someone else who's going to speculate with it. And then they're going to pay you an interest rate that's pretty high. I think it was like 7, 8%, you know, 
But the minute what, and this client had to take a write off of a significant amount of money because the whole exchange went off the stable, you know, the whole thing fell through. You just have to realize it. But what was great about it was he had a great attitude. He was like, yeah, it sucks, man. Can I write it off on my taxes? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, great. He's like, good thing we have more. And for someone else, just thinking about this, that would have totally derailed them. Now, from a financial standpoint, I'm like, anytime you're going to get paid more than a bank is paying you, you're going to be taking some version of risk or there's going to be something else. So to assume that it was you know, totally safe and secure when you're getting a 7, 8, 10% rate of return, you know, we got to have that conversation. But what I was so impressed with was the attitude where it didn't even phase him. He was like, you know, whatever. And I had somebody else lose money the same week that was also young that was like, I'm never, you know, never going into the markets again, never going to do this again. <laughs> you know, like somebody having their heart broken for the first time that will never love again. So um, I don't know how I got up on that rant, but attitude is a big deal on it. Keep it's going. a huge deal. And I think that idea of like a good thing we have more is just a really good theme to think about when it comes to that mindset. Like we, we much is said, and I'm sure everybody on this, this show has heard the, the, the concept of like an abundance mindset uh, versus a scarcity mindset. But part of what that is, like if you dial it down to its simplest parts, it's just realizing that, well, at least we have more. So even if, even if your business goes to zero, that doesn't change the fact that you are a smart person who came up with a pretty darn good idea and probably will come up with another one, right? Like there's still, there's a, it's, I don't know, I mean, to be like silver lining type of scenario, but it is, it's along those lines of like, just stay positive about where you're at and, and, and have the right mindset of it. Like things don't always just knowing and expecting, uh, I think you were on maybe one of my shows when I, or one of my uh, events when we had uh, Brad Martineau speak. Some of you might know him. Um, he runs a company called Sixth Division, which does a lot of work with like Infusionsoft. So those of you who are marketing or small businesses using Infusionsoft, you might have heard of him. But which um, is no longer Infusionsoft. It's oh yeah, Keep. Keep. Yeah. Well, uh, which it's forever. It's forever Infusionsoft. Come on now. Uh, so, but yeah, but I, so, so uh, Brad Martineau is actually, I think it's his brother or something. He's one of the founders and yeah, the whole sixth division comes from, Dale he was, like yeah. The brother who founded Infusionsoft. Yeah. Right. So Brad's was the sixth employee and all that. And so that's where all that stuff comes from. But anyway, so he had this discussion and I heard him give a presentation years ago and I, you guys have all seen memes along this line, but he's like, in our mind, when we start a business, or basically set out on any journey in life, we assume it's going to be a straight line up, like we, that, you know, like the graph. And then he's like, and then here's the reality. And again, this is like an Instagram meme you've all seen, but it's just like it's up, it's down, it's all over the place. You know, he had one of the canyons is, is one of the dips is like filled with water. <laughs> you know, like it's all of that stuff that happens. And it was, it's an interesting, as, as simple as that concept is, and as much as many of us have heard that kind of concept. When you're living it, you, you can easily forget it. That you are this was this was to be expected. Like you could, there's no way you were going to start a business and run it for any length of time and not have an economic downturn. There's virtually no way that you're going to run a business for a period of time and not have a personal issue. Like it just it just happens. Like you know, and and I think the stress of running businesses causes divorces sometimes for people, right? Especially if it's a husband and wife. Now, I'm 
I'm blessed because Yvonne and I work in the business every day together. And it actually is, I think, strengthened our marriage. Like, so we're kind of one of those weird examples, but that's not everybody's experience with that, right? So is to have those challenges. And so that mindset of understanding that what you're doing is what what you're going through is completely normal and and to be expected is a is a huge part of it. And we've talked about on the show too, is right when COVID started, I had a I did a, a comp like a online um, conference for agency owners. And it was interesting because I had one of the, and I talked about it here before, is Mike Arce came on. He's a fitness uh, fitness mm-hmm. marketing expert. And he came on and he, one of his comments, which I, I love, he's like, yeah, for the, since the, the, the Great Recession, the 2008-2009 market that you were talking about, he's like, since that time period, we've all been bowling with the bumpers up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, now we're going to start finding out who the real businesses are and who's going to do stuff. But that honestly happens every day, which is why I make my point. If you're going through a custody issue right now, it feels like a massive market correction, right? Like it's that distracting. It's that hard. If you're going through a divorce, it's that distracting, that hard. Heck, if you're going through a breakup, if it's bad enough or, or even the opposite, you might be getting married. It might be a positive thing. Right. And you're distracted and it can have a negative impact on your business. But understanding that all of these things were to be expected and normal for every single business owner. I don't know. For me personally, it's kind of nice to know that you're not alone. It helps. It really does. And you know what's interesting? While you were chatting, Dominic, I was thinking about how many of these shows, we probably every fourth show we devote to mindset or overcoming obstacles. And if you guys are wondering, you may be like, hey, man, I just want the tips. Like, what can I do to close more sales? What can I do to write off my taxes? We're going to have, I was just talking to Irene. We're going to get her on. I think we're going to try to get her on next Friday, Dom. I'll I'll reach out to her this afternoon or over the weekend. She's the credit lady and how to repair your credit and build credit and establish business credit. Like, this girl knows her stuff on it. But um, what what the reason we keep coming back to mindset over and over again is because that's what controls everything else that you do. And I've coached a lot of people in my business, which is um, I have a training program for people that want to help families um, pay the least amount for college um, because I did it for years. It was a specialty I kind of tripped into. And what I've noticed is I've had a couple people that you just like, everybody's been successful except for one guy, but his brother-in-law paid for it. And it was literally the brother-in-law was just trying to give him something to do. And he was absolutely lazy, had no motivation whatsoever. But there was another guy that I worked with whose business he would make freakishly large amounts of money one year. And then he'd lose it all the next year. Then he'd build it all back up and he'd lose it the next year. And it was a direct reflection of what was going on in his personal life at the time. So it was, he had a good girlfriend and she was like supportive and loving. And this was not a young man. This guy was in his 60s um, when I was training him, late 50s to, to early 60s. And he died right at the beginning of COVID. But um, it was, he had a good girlfriend. He'd be excited. He'd be out killing it. And then he'd get this other girlfriend who was kind of a, never mind. But anyway, she wasn't a good girlfriend. Okay. And she'd nag him and harass him and she'd break up with him and then come back into his life. And then he would, he would just, his money would go out and he'd 
he'd run out of money and he'd be depressed again. And it was literally what was going on right here. And we kept trying to kept trying to break through that. Like, look, man, you got to separate, you know, that from this, and you got to get your mind right and feed your mind with, you know, what you want, not all the misery that is going on in your life and put that in a box until you're done with work and then go home and deal with it or shoot the girlfriend, not literally, not literally, metaphorically put her out to pasture because she was absolutely caustic for him. But it all came down to mindset. And that's why you can have some of the most revered people that we have in our history, like Abraham Lincoln, and I'm scared to say it, but Donald Trump, before he became president, was loved and people rapped about him and everything. But hey, that was a man who was a billion dollars in debt at one point and kept fighting his way back to get back on top and get a TV show. And even if he didn't love this president, you know, and he's the bad orange man, forget that. But look at what he overcame prior to that, you know, or Abraham Lincoln or pick someone else if you just can't fathom Trump. Yeah, that's that's what I why I have all the books is I didn't read the ones about politics or presidency, but the ones think big and kick ass is one of my favorite books of all time. Well, and it's interesting because you think about it, I think it was you actually. So I've I've worked with a off and on for years with a guy who um, has been on and off the billionaires list a few times, you know, <laughs> doing pretty well. And it was funny because I was actually, I think it was you a few years ago and I was telling you about him. I think I'm pretty sure it was you actually. And I was telling, I was like, oh, it's crazy. Cause like, you know, he's, he's made a billion, got himself on the billionaires list, then pretty well lost it all. And then started another business, got back on the list again, and then lost it all again and, and did all that stuff. And the comment, again, I'm pretty sure it was you, but, it, or somebody like you who said, oh, so you mean like, like every really good entrepreneur. <laughs> And it's, it's, you know, and then that's one of the things that I've talked to him, getting to know him over the years and talking to him a little bit about it is just like, he's like, yeah, I mean, you have ideas, you have stuff that you, you think about and, and you put it together and then the market reverses on you or something unforeseen happens. I mean, in his case, he had one guy, you know, a business partner who basically tried to do a hostile takeover and, and really buried, did a lot of shady stuff to bury the business. It's still, that business is still around, but but really cost him a ton of money. Then he went through a divorce that t- cost him a ton of money and not on the it always divorce does. Side. <laughs> well, not just on the divorce side, not that part of it, but like the mental anguish and the, the time away and the just dealing with all that stuff cost those, that money. And then, you know, and so that's that entrepreneurial again, like you look at uh, most examples you use, you use too, but I think you, if you look through most examples of entrepreneurs, even Elon Musk and others, like you'll see people who are worth billions of dollars or take it down a notch. People who are worth a few million, but you know, that, that are not so aspirational, if you will, that, but, but somebody you can actually kind of achieve them that are maybe a few years ahead of you. You'll have seen, they probably had five, six fa- failed businesses to go along with the one or two that are really, really successful. And I think even in my situation, like I look back at all the businesses we've done and ideas that we've tried and, you know, we've, we, I don't know, we've started, I don't know, Yvonne could correct me, but I don't know, five or seven different business or business, you know, sub sub businesses of the main business. And two of them have worked really well. You know, they've worked exceptionally well, but there's a whole bunch of others that didn't work or didn't work to our, you know, we eventually shuttered it because it wasn't worth the, you know, the distraction. And I even shared that example under a different situation when we were talking about taxes a few, maybe the last season, 
or no, right at the beginning of this season about my buddy who was doing uh, his own taxes on a $20 million business. <clears throat> but he shuttered that $20 million business because it, it turned out once he got an actual professional to look at his taxes, they were like, you do realize you're losing money. And he was like, no, no, I'm making money. And they're like, no, you're not making money at all. And, and it's interesting, you know, th- so that he's like, oh, shoot. So he sh- shuttered that business and did and does exceptionally well with the other one. But if you were to focus in on that failure, supposed failure, then, then your mindset changes. And then everything feels like it's, you know, the, oh, I failed. I failed. No, you didn't. You just learned something. Um, there is so much truth to that because again, the market will dictate what's right and what's wrong. And it will tell you kind of an interesting story about this, about how I kind of blew up on Twitter, which was, I, I, I'll tell you guys the Twitter story. We had, um, this is 2019. So pre pandemic, mid 2019, I ran a, ran a guy, I ran into a guy on Twitter and I kind of lurked on Twitter and I think I had 300 followers and I'm a little over 30,000 right now. And I've kind of been on and off Twitter for the last year because I did, I said something bad about CNN and literally I could see immediately they throttled my engagement. Like I stay away from politics unless it relates to taxes, you know. And I'll pipe in long enough to say taxation is theft, um, you know, at least at the rates they're doing it at. And um, but so I'm not, you know, supporting anybody. I'm not trashing anybody except Liz Warren. I can't stand her. Um, but going through. And I found a guy who was into Austrian Austrian economics and the Mises Institute. And if you guys have never checked them out, they're kind of like. Um, the epic times, but for money. So I get a lot of good articles and then they'll occasionally throw in a crazy article, <laughs> but they talk a lot about how to fix social security because it could be fixed pretty easily and stuff. So this guy was clearly into Austrian economics. In fact, I'm going to give him a call. And so we'd arranged a call one day just to chat and, you know, because we knew one of the same mentors who used to write for them that I was actually friends with and he quoted him. So long story short, we're chatting and he's like, yeah, I've got this little course on there and I've sold like 700 copies at a hundred bucks each. Now I'm driving while I'm talking to him and I about wrecked my car. And so I'm like, wait, what? You sold, how much did you say? 700 copies, no advertising bill, you know? So again, seven, uh, what, what does that work out to? $70,000 of revenue plus backend revenue from it with no advertising. I had no idea Twitter was that powerful. So I'm like, dang, I got to do something with this. Now, my business at the time, which was tax and financial, but with a college emphasis, was really, and again, if you guys have late stage college, we did the interview while Dominic was on his cruise getting COVID last week with Ed Sanderson, who I've known almost as long as I've known Dominic. It's a great interview about what to do. And we do need to get him back, Dominic, because we only touched the financial piece, none of the getting in. But Back to this, I started writing about college stuff and nobody cared. The marketplace on Twitter was literally like, and so what? College sucks, start a business from your dorm room, do whatever. But the minute I talked about mortgages or taxes, my accounts absolutely like blew up. My engagement was through the roof. And the point was, I just tried different stuff until somebody turned around you know, and something stuck and resonated with that audience. Now, 
fast forward a few months, 2020, I'm like, hey, would you guys like a course on taxes? You know, like how to pay the least and how to talk to your accountant and how to hire an accountant and all those sorts of things. And the market was like, yeah, so we actually sold 500 of those in a matter of a couple of weeks. So the marketplace dictated to me, but the point was, I didn't cry myself to sleep about everybody ignoring me on college. I didn't, I just was like, mm, let's try this instead. So uh, it's not to brag on me, really it's not. It's just saying from personal experience, when you are starting a business, we get people who get so hung up on, I gotta get my LLC and I gotta get it trademarked and I gotta, I gotta do all this stuff and I need office furniture if I'm gonna have a physical space. We're like, no, 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 no. You need to get clients. And you had that test that you've talked about before about getting people's opinion. I'll let you chat about that in a moment when I take a breath, but about getting people's opinions on stuff and seeing where the marketplace leads you before you do any of that other stuff. And then if the marketplace leads you that direction, then go for it and we can get the LLC and do all this stuff. But if you don't have any clients, none of that other stuff's gonna do any good. By the way, let me take the moment to say that this is the Make More, Keep More show. For those of you just jumping on, we talk about everything related to money. Today we're talking about the mindset around money but um, and the mindset around business and everything. I'm Ron Carruthers, that's Dominic Cummins of Real Biz Advisors. And um, you, should, you should make money and keep it. <laughs> that's a good thing well th thanks for that well, you know on that note we could basically just drop the mic that was uh oh, hold on. spectacular I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt real quickly because someone's posting i can't see who it is but yeah there are a lot of advisors like oh Lindsay, oh hey Lindsay, what's up that telling them yeah you got to get your you know you got to get your lfc and got to get your financing it's like no, yep. no 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 by the way before i let you speak um dan kennedy who is, you know, the man that I credit being responsible with any success that we've had in business beyond a baseline survival level. Um, and who wrote a really good book about wealth attraction for entrepreneurs. And um, by the way, which is, I would say, required reading for anybody on here. But Dan mentions that his average business owner has to go through seven different ideas to get one that hits. Yeah. For sure. Now you translate that in the sales business for how many contacts somebody needs to follow up with before sale closes and all those other things. But the point is the worst thing that can happen to you, the freaking worst thing that can happen to you is to be successful on your first attempt because then you'll think it's easy on your second attempt. And, and we've had in all my years of doing this, we've had one client be successful his very first year in business where he made a couple hundred thousand dollars. He used to work for Sony and he bought out the division that Sony was going to close down. They had tons of money the first year and then they absolutely crashed and burned the next year. And I remember doing his taxes that first year, like, bro, this is great. Uh, actually, I, don't, I didn't do prepare them. I reviewed them and made some corrections to them. But I'm like, man, you're like the one guy. And apparently I jinxed it for him. So just keep that in mind. Well, and I think, did you, wanna, did you want to say something? <laughs> I figured next season, you know, I'll, I'll jump in some point next season. No, uh, we do really. have a question. Probably, probably season four or five. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Let's be realistic. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to come back to a question that popped up, which I think is really good. And you, you kind of alluded to a little bit of the answer on that one a, a little bit, but 
but yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. Like, there's actually a concept um, which we we know about from a psychological standpoint called confirmation bias. But a lot of times, what confirmation bias will do, especially as an entrepreneur, is that you think what's working today and has been working for you for a little while will continue to work forever. And it's rare that that's actually the case, right? There are exceptions to that, but there are like like if for anybody who's ever done like online advertising through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, anything like that, you'll have an ad that hits for a while and then all of a sudden nobody likes it anymore. And you're like, what the heck, right? So that's that's a very small microcosm of it. But like your example, your guy, like we had that. And I talk about this a lot in content that I put out is like, well, our first year we did so well. And I was telling, I remember telling my buddy who I've talked about a lot, Robert, the one who I just talked about who shut down the $20 million business. And I remember being with him and he was chatting with me and he was like, dude, how are you guys doing? I was telling some of our numbers and he's like, all right, bank some of that. Like you're doing really well. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, we're crushing. And it was our first year. And he was like, yeah, but just be careful. Like it could change. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I think my business model's really solid. <laughs> dude, that conversation still resonates in my head. We still you, chat right? You see but, him in your dreams. I do. Yeah, we we play golf you together all the time. Have a little bit of a man crush on him. It's all right. I do. I do. That's it's all right. Um, I've got one on. I've got one on Elon Musk. Watching him, I never, you know, thought I would admit this, but watching him absolutely batter Twitter is yeah, kind right. of hilarious because I'm still pissed off that they throttled my account back in December of 2020. There you go. For a very so, non-political post. So we do have a question that said, "What can you do?" Uh, let's see. I can't. These sometimes it's hard to interpret the uh, handles here, but the C H V R L Y C B Y O B. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's like reading a license plate sometimes. Um, uh, so, but but we're we're getting to your question. What can you do when you get stuck and you can't grow anymore? How to give it the extra to grow to the next level? Feeling because he's feeling stuck in his current level. And I think actually I'll start with this a little bit. I think Ron talked a little bit about it to some extent is also testing the market a little bit. So what happens is most businesses or, or all businesses should have the ability to continue to grow. And if you've stagnated, you you may need to look a little bit. One of the things you may need to look at is your offer. Like what is it that you're going out there? Has the market changed a little bit around you? Like did like Ron's example where for, for many years, and Ron underplays, unless you listened last week to la- la- the last episode, underplays like he's literally been the nation's leading expert on college funding for 20 years plus. And almost you, 30. Almost 30. So, you know, he's been on every single news thing. He's been interviewed for every, I mean, all the news channels, all, everything on this topic, written books on it. This is his jam, right? But yet, all of you, the vast majority of you, know him as a tax guy. And that's kind of interesting because you think about like that business did really, really well, but then it had some obstacles as well. It's still around, but it had a few things and you went, you tried something different and you looked what the market was doing for you. And like, I, I think that's an interesting story for you to say like, yeah, man, I got on Twitter as the nation's leading expert on college planning and nobody really cared. I'm <laughs> paraphrasing and so I'm sad. right. <laughs> so if, if you nobody are already. Cared a known and recognized resource in that area, and then you get on a platform and it doesn't work, then you can start to feel like you're stuck. Well, what did Ron do is start to look around, hey, oh, wow, sure, these these posts seem to really resonate with people. Let me go, let me talk about some of that stuff. So I think that's one of those things. And and just evaluating, it doesn't mean to give up what you're currently doing if you're stuck. Correct. Um, but it's also, it's an opportunity to just evaluate some things. Like, 
you know, uh, it, it's kind of that whole, and I, this is overplayed, but like the definition of an ins- insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, tweak something, tweak something about the way you're selling it, you know, tweak something about the way you're talking about it. Try a different advertising channel. Maybe put some content out there if you haven't up to this point, right? Like if, if you've never done video content, I'm a huge fan of that. Put out some. Stick a camera in your face and say something valuable. But like talk to your audience a little bit and see if some of that doesn't spark some life into you. The only other one I have, and then I'll let Ron talk. See, look at I took over this time. But the only other one that I'll put out there too is, is look at your client base and look at your situation currently and see if there is something that's draining you. So in my situation, I've had to periodically evaluate whether or not I'm spending too much time with one client or I've got a situation or a, an investment or somebody we're working with that's just really taking up a lot of my headspace. Typically, and leads to um, some form of, of stagnation in the growth process. So... Those are just a couple of practical tips. I don't know. Well, Ron went off camera, so maybe up to yeah. Me because here, but, the uh, apparently the um, we had this problem last week or the week before. Apparently the um, um, got landscaper for the house across the street. His new time is Friday at eight thirty in the morning. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so he perfect. fired up the thing, and then my wife walked me out of the house. So oh. I, had to, I had to dig up the spare key. So I'll be back on camera once back here. Well, so then, then that tells everybody listening that you have a spare key somewhere hidden around the house. If you guys all know where Ron lives, you know how to get free reign of the house. <laughs> where the spare key is hidden is literally the worst kept secret. <laughs> if, you guys, if you guys want anything out of my house, feel free to come and help yourselves. All I ask is you leave my wine alone. Uh, I got some pretty good wine. If you guys want the whiskey or anything like that, knock yourselves out. Just leave the wine out of it. So um, that's my only request. But um, what were we talking about, Dominic? Uh, getting Dominic. through when you when you're stuck, when you're just sort of I'm stagnated, have, stuck, not I'm growing. Chat, I'm gonna have to have a chat with that woman about locking me out of the house. I don't think that was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Um, interesting thing is. Even in the world of advertising, um, Dan Kennedy, again, sorry for referencing him, but even an ad, a great ad, has a lifespan of about 18 months. Literally, their their highest performing ads because he would write ads for every kind of business. Now, we in the college world, we were kind of blessed to have pretty evergreen ads, but even then they would only work every couple. We'd maybe get three years out of an ad because the marketplace was recycling every year as people had kids, you know, you might not be interested in a college ad right now because you got a freshman in high school and you're like, whatever, man, like I got all the time in the world. And then all of a sudden that kid's a junior and you're like, oh my God, they're going to be going in like two years. Like I didn't even, oh, I'm in trouble. And it turns out they have no athletic ability and aren't as smart as you said they were when they were a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I don't know, man. But, um, so yeah, even then he would talk about ways that you would you could take an ad that was running. So again, that you might have paid a copywriter, Dan, I think back then, 20 years ago, charged seventy-five thousand for an ad plus three percent of the um three percent of all sales. Right. And you would have to rework it in about twelve to eighteen months. Then you would have to turn around, you'd get another six months out of it, and then you'd have to turn around and um take the whole thing and 
throw it out basically and start from scratch. So the point was, even when something's working really, really good, it, it constantly needs to be tweaked and refined. And you just have to accept that as, as part of life. Now, principles are timeless. You know, when it comes to finance, right. paying the least amount of money on your taxes, you know, securing more of that money, setting aside ideally 20% of your income, making sure it's not all in the market. So when the market goes sideways, you're not stuck having cash in your business, you know, training salespeople and helping people turn their side hustle into their main hustle, which is your thing, you know, hey, having clients, you know, following up, following up, following up, those principles never change, but the actual specifics might. Right. By the way, I got to bounce. I got to bounce like five or 10 minutes early today, just so you, okay. I thought I'd warn so, you that. Which I think speaks to, I love this idea of being stuck because this is an obstacle that people can find. I, years ago, I remember a guy, I, so I kind of categorize businesses as like, you know, you have your side hustle from your zero to say like a, a buck 50 a year. You know, you're probably, it's kind of side hustle. It's probably, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, you're monetizing your hobby, if you will, to some degree. And then you get into that, like when you break through that 150, 200 marker on up to maybe the 300, I call it like the, the look ma, you have a real business kind of thing. Like you actually can say to your mom, like, oh, I formed a company and like, we actually like, I quit my day job and they're going to worry about you and all that good stuff. But that's when you get to that level. And then from some point there forward, you get what I actually heard from another um, guy out there. I can't remember his name right now. A great Scottish accent, but I can't remember his name. Um he talked about how you hit business whitewater. And that's one of those areas where he, he, and actually what's interesting about that presentation, I wish I could find, I've looked and looked and looked and to, to try to find it, but I saw it years ago and it just stuck with me. Um, <clears throat> but he talked about that. That's when you have to make a decision when you hit business whitewater, like things are going, you've grown, you've grown, you've grown, and then you're going to hit this whitewater spot, which for some people is a small stretch of whitewater. Other people, it's a long stretch of whitewater, but what you have to decide is whether you want to maintain a lifestyle business at that point, or you want to try to go for a scaled business, like actually try to take it to something else. And what happens and why people hit that whitewater, what, in my experience, this party didn't talk about, but in my experience is they hit that whitewater because they didn't have it clearly in mind which one they wanted to have. Like, did they want to have a lifestyle business where they made two, $300,000 a year, you know, take home? Or did they want to try to go to something where they're going to sell it for $10 million in a few years? And because they didn't really have that in mind, maybe they thought in their mind, I want to build a $10 million business, but because they didn't have any real clue what that takes and what needs to be done there and how to run financials, they really weren't that type of trained business professional, which most of us aren't when we start out. They hit that whitewater phase and have to make those decisions. And I think that's where that mindset then comes in that, the mindset of, yes, it's okay to have a lifestyle business where you take off to Europe for a month or you go on cruises or you get COVID or you do whatever and you make good money and you live the lifestyle that you want and you're not worried about selling the practice in five or 10 years and worrying about like investors and, and all that kind of stuff. Or you got to go kind of the other hour of the direction and say like, no, I want all that stuff. And I think for, I see there's a somewhat of a converse relationship to age on that one. <laughs> as well. I feel like the older I get, the more I like a lifestyle business. But you know, that's that that's that piece where you can make that decision. And so again, going back to that question of how do you get unstuck is sometimes making a decision of what you really, really want. You may not be that stuck. 
we just assume we have to keep, you can grow without growing to a scaled level. Like you can have just consistent growth year over year, get better at what you do. I love Frank Kern. Uh, Uncle Frank's uh, comment around this is stabilize, optimize, expand is his sort of three tiers. And he's like, man, the older I get, the less interested I am in expanding. I want to stabilize the business. And then he's like, and then I just advise people double your prices for the exact same thing. Just double your prices and then wait for that to stabilize and then double them again. And you may never need to expand. And all of a sudden you're making a ton of money. So I think so those, are the, those are those mindset issues around getting around obstacles or getting stuck. Yeah, man. So back to mindset, really good, great advice. We got about 10 minutes. And then, like I said, I got to bounce. Um, what would you say, what is the number one book that you would tell or podcast or resource that you would tell someone who needs to get their mind right to read? Well, obviously, to or whatever. this podcast, clearly. Well, you're here, so. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, uh, no, so. Hey, man, uh, what's the, by the way, what's the website? I tried to give it out to someone. And I couldn't remember it. So I'm typing it in. Someone asked me like, hey, man, do you have the back shows? By the way, we do. Yes. Um, they're good. Um, but I couldn't remember the website. I'm like the make more, keep more show, make more, keep more show, make the more, keep more show.com will take there's you no to the, all the episodes. There's no, the no, there's no, the. on, we're on Apple and Spotify and things like that. Right. Yes. Yeah, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. We're there. Um, so yeah, we have, uh, we have all the episodes up to this point, um, all loaded in there for uh, season one, with, I don't know, 12 or 13 episodes and, and, spread uh, the love every yeah, spread the get love. on there, get hey, on man, there so back to the question. What's the one thing you tell them? Hey man, if you're just struggling right now and the news is getting you down or the economy is getting you down, or you were just trying to buy a house and interest rates jumped and you can't anymore. What's the top one or two pieces of advice that you would give someone? What should they read? What should they do? Yeah. So one of the things, one of the books that I love is, is uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Um, and, and there's actually a chapter in there called There's No Silver Bullets. <clears throat> so part of the understanding is, is that there's not going to be a hack to get you out of that. Like, don't right. go, you're going to spend a lot of time. People, I see entrepreneurs do this, is they spend a lot of time when they're stuck or when things are going rough spend a lot of time trying to find some way to, sh to, to like, I don't know. I mean, speed up the process isn't the right word, but like just a hack. They want something that like, Oh, okay, well this sucks. Let me, let me find some trick to get around it. There are no tricks. You got, you got to sit down and do the business fundamentals. And I think getting, so when your business is stuck, cause it's not growing or when you're, you lose a couple of clients or when you're going through a divorce or any other obstacle that comes back to it, don't forget your business, your primary job. I talked about this in my mastermind with my group this week is the primary job of a CEO in a corporation. This is answering your question. So keeping this mindset, the primary job of a CEO, sure? a cor big corporation. <laughs> I, didn't what, I didn't remember what the question was. I anymore. do. Keep so the uh, primary job of a CEO in a big corporation is to ensure that that company is providing a return to the shareholders. Like if you're, if you're the CEO of a, you know, IBM or whatever, is that even a company anymore? Um, you still, you, that's, that's your job. When you're the CEO, call it whatever you are in your business, but you're the CEO of that, that doesn't actually change. Your job is still to make sure there's a return to the shareholders, which means you have to dedicate some time every single day to making sales. Whether it's 50, even if it's 15 minutes, do something 
that's promoting your business on a daily basis. Whether And what you'll find in my experience with this, even though I know you might hate sales or it's not your favorite part of the business, kind of get to get over that. But all of that, it doesn't really matter. You'll find that sometimes when you have, when, when everything else in life sucks, refocusing on your business helps because as my mentor said, I've said it on this show, revenue is the best deodorant. And it turns out that when you sell something and get a deposit in your bank account, it often makes life a little bit better. So sell something, right? Just go out there, focus on those activities and keep selling um, is, is part of that mindset. Remember, that's your job as the founder of that company. What, what advice do you have for mindset or books? Um, so just one quick thing. When you said that about revenue being the best deodorant, it reminded me of the uh, Yiddish saying, I'll butcher it a little bit, but I'll get it close. With money in your pocket, you're handsome, you're funny, and you sing good too. So I always like that one. But um, there you go. One of my favorite one of my favorite books is um, Self Made in America, John McCormack. Um, it came out about like thirty years ago, mm-hmm. and he was a New York City cop who started messing around in the stock market in the seventies, right? Eighty, I think the seventies, and made a ton of money, and then you know like. Turned into a complete asshole at like 22, 23, would like send a limo to get his girlfriend instead of picking her up himself. She broke up with him. And then, of course, markets turned because they always do. Lost all his money, you know, because he left being a cop to doing that. Didn't want to go back to being an Irish cop, McCormack. And um, so he kind of went on this journey of self-discovery to figure out what's he going to do. Thought about killing himself, ran into an old man on the beach. And the story is a great story because it's his story. And if any of you guys live in Texas, he's the founder of Visible Changes Hair Salon, which they were kind of the first ones to put hair inside, hair cutting place inside the mall mm. and, and make it like a studio and make it fancy. But the story of how he got there and why he decided on it and the obstacles he hit on the way and the other businesses he tried is fantastic. And there's a great story in there of Lee Van Vu which was a real estate millionaire, multi-deca millionaire who actually had to flee Vietnam. And as he was fleeing, leaving all his property and his wealth behind over there, thought about killing himself. And they ended up running a bakery in one of the malls that the guy was opening a salon in. So they got to be friends. And his story is insane. So he tells it in one of the chapters there. But it's just like, I made my kids read it when they were little. And I mean, my kids still talk about it to this day, the impact that it had on them. Because I make them read it when they're like 11 or 12. By the way, as a parent, one of the best tips I can give you is to pay your kids to read good books. Books that emphasize entrepreneurship, how to handle money, how to handle finance, how to biographies of people that have overcome obstacles. Because it will... You know, I read some of what they're teaching in school these days, and it, it's not—it's not the principles of self-reliance, entrepreneurship, you know, figuring it out yourself, all those sorts of things. So that is one of my all-time favorite books. I think it's out of print, so you got to find it used. But it is worth whatever you guys pay for it. It's a fantastic book, and my copy is like treasured. You know, it would be one of the things I would grab besides the good wine if the house was going to catch fire. That and yeah, it's actually, you can get it on Amazon. 
believe it or yeah, not. Great book. It's used, then, but you can't and, get it. And then as far as uh, Lindsay puts you, we're reading books that schools have banned just for fun. Well, that's kind of why it's, it's biting me in the ass now, but I went and bought a car with 600 horsepower, like 590, because the governor of California was like, by 2034, everybody's going to have an electric vehicle. And by the way, I would have bought an electric vehicle. It just pissed me off so bad that it, they said, you can't, you have to. I'm like, well, no, I'm going to go the other direction. Then. Yeah. We can't even keep the power on here in the summer anyways. What to do? This is an interesting time, and I'm going to give a total cliche, but it's worth noting. The, the Chinese symbol for crisis has the word opportunity in it. And you've heard that if you've ever been to a motivational speech ever, at any time in your life, they have to trot that out. Um, my book Blaine was self-made in America, John McCormack. And it's got like, what's funny is he's got kind of a crappy haircut for a guy who owns a bunch of hair salons and he's holding his jacket over his shoulder and like standing there looking very wise, but with a bad haircut. That was my book. And Dominic's was the hard thing about hard things. Make sure you get the book version and not the movie version because never mind. Anyway, (laughs) come on. It was funny. That was good. Then, Then look at what to do. What to do is, where is the, op- for particularly for whoever wrote about being stuck, the question is, where is the opportunity now? Okay, so let me give you a perfect example of this. I have a buddy, and a buddy's pushing it. We're more than acquaintances. He nods at me, asks me how I'm doing when I run into him, but his name's Ron Legrand. Ron Legrand's a crotchety old real estate guy, and he makes his money in good markets and bad, buying real estate kind of unconventionally. So let me give you a perfect for instance. When the markets crashed in 2008, the housing market crashed too, and Ron and his students got rich, going to people who couldn't sell their houses, didn't want to get foreclosed on, and saying, listen, if I take over your mortgage and I make the payments, will you sell me this house? Because say the house is worth Seven seven fifty, but there was an $850,000 mortgage on it. Well, you can't sell that without paying the $100,000 and the real estate agent's commissions or going through a short sale, which is kind of just, we'll get Irene on to find out how bad it is for your credit. But the point was, there was a whole industry that he created going and keeping those houses from going into foreclosure by creating an opportunity. Dominic, I'll take your payment on it. And it might be at a 3% or much lower interest rate. But if housing prices fall 20% and people cashed out, oh, love winning through intimidation. Oh, you posted that. Yeah, Yeah. that's one of my favorites. But anyway, back to this. So what would he do? What do you do with a house that is upside down? How do you even sell it? Well, here's what he would do. He would go to self-employed people that traditionally have a really hard time. You locked me out, by the way. We're going to have words later. Um, he would have, he would sell it to entrepreneurs, newly divorced guys, things like that, that didn't have the credit, but had cash to pay him a down payment, which is how he got paid. And then they'd take over the mortgage. And a lot of people were just happy to have a house that was their house that they could decorate the way they wanted. The landlord wasn't going to give him any crap. And he's like, look, I'm treating you like an owner. I I won't sell you the house until you can finance out. But 
you're going to take care of the repairs and you're going to do this and you're going to give me a bunch of money up front. And it was win-win for everybody. Yeah. Now, I've messed in that business and made money. I don't love it, love it. But there is a, such an opportunity there that as houses adjust, I may go back and mess around and pick up a house every month or every other month or something like that just for laughs. And he's like, heck, you can find your own house to live in that way. You know, go find somebody who's upside down. Who cares? If you've got a great payment, it'll eventually come back and you live sure. and get the deductions and all of that. So that's an example of where is the market moving? If people are having trouble with other things, where can you jump in and provide value and just keeping your eyes open and asking the question all the time? How can I profit from this? How can I help people and profit from this? Current circumstance will be a big deal. All right, man. Well, and, and just Finish a quick thing on that. And then I do got to balance. Going back to all the way back to what you said, where, how we started this with mindset is the ability to do that stems from your mindset. Which and if is, you curl up in a fetal position because stuff is going why. bad, yeah. you're never going to get there. And okay, have your moment, have a day, drink a bottle of wine, do your thing, right? Well, every once in a while, we all have those days. Curse, but, fate, yeah. you know, do all that. Fine. But do it for a minute. Partners rage against them and then be done. Yeah. And then be done and then move on because the, the thing is, is the faster that you can that you can get through that, especially when it's a big enough market condition like right now, like a divorce isn't you know universal to everybody, but like the market conditions right now, when they're really difficult, then there is opportunity for those who can snap out of the depression part of it uh, quickly and and start looking for those opportunities. So it's really, again, it's you're right, about every four or five shows we do mindset. But it's because, because every it's other the tip most important thing. Because none of the other tips will work if your mindset's not right. Let me give you a, per, a one last perfect example. I had a buddy who was a cosmetic dentist. And do you know who he targeted? Newly divorced. <laughs> because he was like, look, particularly, you know, and this was 15 years ago that we were friends. So we were still a little more of a traditional society where, you know, the men had made the money, the women would get the payout. And then they'd need to go find another husband. And he's like, hey, they would think nothing of dropping $40,000, $50,000, even in a bad economy, if their teeth were a problem to improve their self-confidence. Same with plastic surgeons, same with everything. So right. just realize that out of every negative, there always is, in fact, a positive, which is one of the original Napoleon Hill um, thinking grow rich principles, which is, you know, out of every obstacle or um out of every adversity comes the seed of an equal or greater opportunity. So I'm going to try to track down the credit queen for next week and see sure. if she's around Dom. Um, so we'll post that. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. A couple of you, lovely CJP, were a little away getting here today. Hope everything's <laughs> going well. And um, we appreciate you guys. Obviously, there's no show with nobody listening. So I appreciate every you guys. Absolutely. And if you want to go check the back episodes, you can do it here on my Instagram feed. Just look for the longer videos. But also, Dominic, make, make more show. Yep, makemorekeepmoreshow.com. Any of your Apple, Spotify, anything. So. Anywhere where you can look for podcasts, we're there. Right on. And remember, get the book version of The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Take care, <laughs> you guys. We'll do it next week. All right, guys. Thank Bye. you.